0: And welcome back to the long-awaited episode of Haves Unfiltered, episode 385. I'm your host, Blaine putt and I'm joined by my co-host, Treyk Wilson. Hello. Hola, como esta? Uh,
1: oh, man, now I want to be in the Dominican Republic like I was two years ago. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, that January of last year. Um, I'm good, I guess. Oh, well, well, I guess some good news. So... I'm going to throw this out if you don't mind, Blaine. This is kind of a, some personal stuff. So uh, last few months, I've been dealing with uh, my mother has been in the hospital uh, dealing with some stuff. And Thursday, she got put into a home. So we were on the waiting list for a home. Now, the reason this is kind of a good thing is, A, my mom's getting better uh she's not as bad as she was when she went in the hospital and b she was put on a a wait list where she could go within 100 kilometers of where her community was so she could be as far as new glasgow i mean if you know nova scotia which is quite far away you know what i mean uh but no she's just up the road here in uh oakwood uh which is right up by the dartmouth general so she's 10 minutes away so uh i've been busy with that that's why i haven't been on so many shows and I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, things are looking good. Things are looking better. And she'll be home you're, for Christmas. You're so taking care of Christmas your Eve. family. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're taking
0: terrible. care of family instead of doing a podcast. I, know,
1: really. I don't even like my family, so it's really weird. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's gonna be home for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It'll be good Christmas. Well, that's, yeah, that get, is great news. That yeah, is. Great I just wanted news. to get that out there. So
0: and now. Then, um, Matt is uh always busy as well with the Air Force. And now he's actually in the Maritimes and, and he's incog- he's <laughs> incognito to us. Like we haven't even we haven't even talked to him or seen him.
1: He is with family, I believe, in uh that hole of Canada's hole, you yeah. know, the big hole in the earth that's oh, the part of Canada. Canada's um, drive through. Yeah, what's it called? Uh new the two-lane
0: highway no one wants to get off of, that one? <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 that one. So, uh, yeah, New Brunswick. Um, oh,
0: I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's there. So <clears throat> with a bunch of wannabe Frenchmen, Acadians.
0: <laughs> True. Uh, he gets closer to us, but then he gets even more difficult to contact.
1: It's weird. Yeah, well, I because I don't think they have, like, indoor bathrooms there yet so uh oh yeah there you go that's what it is yeah, no
0: internet yeah. no cell no phone internet, coverage no,
1: no, no. Any, any fans who follow us from new brunswick we, it's all jest it's all well sort of, <laughs> <laughs> sort of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole halifax function thing deal yeah,
1: with it yeah, yeah deal with it
0: uh all right so and myself i've been fairly busy as well being on a ship uh, kind of takes up a little bit of my time it's like babysitting.
1: Yeah, it's somewhat important.
0: I'm babysitting. That's essentially <laughs> what it is. In organizing shit, Ugh, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, that's you here we are. Have, it's almost that's Christmas what you have
1: time. P1s for Blaine. That's what you have. P1s for. Oh, they're busy too.
0: <laughs> Who do you think I'm babysitting?
1: <laughs> yeah i know you're p1 so that makes sense
0: yeah. <laughs> now it's, it's almost christmas so uh we probably won't get a show out in the next two days before christmas so i just want to say merry christmas to everybody who celebrates it and to those who don't well happy whatever holiday you celebrate we i, I really don't care just have fun take time off hang out with your family uh, don't drink and drive. If you're going to drink, crash on a couch or uh, get an Uber, really. But definitely, you know, have fun with your family. Speaking of having fun, Montreal Canadians seem to be having some fun.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I tweeted out, I think of the Minnesota game, that if Montreal can beat Chicago, this is actually the best scenario they could have for the start of this road trip. Because when they come back from Christmas, it's not gonna be easy. They're not playing anyone. In the four games, uh, Florida, Tampa, Dallas, and who am I forgetting? The third game. Anyway, I forget the third, but it's it's one another top team. So they're not uh not gonna be easy for them. Uh so they needed to get five points out of a possible six in the first three games. You can't, uh, especially going down two-nothing in two of them. Um, you can't really uh how can you argue with that how can you well i mean if you want them to finish last you're pretty sad right now but uh um yeah for any rational fan how can you be be uh mad about that that's a that's an awesome gift for christmas for everyone
0: well a seven game road trip around christmas time is their traditional get the hell out of town thing and it's normally when the, the wheels fall off i don't remember a time where the Canadians had the first three games of the road trip, uh, on the West, on this Western trip around Christmas time where they were two 0 and one.
1: I think the short season when it was just the Canadian division and they went out to Vancouver, Edmonton, that, and I think they won almost every game. I don't think it was seven games though. I think it was only four or five. I think it was Winnipeg for Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Um, from what I can remember, that's the only time I remember them going out west and pretty much winning every game in that short. And back when Toffoli was like scoring eight goals a game against Vancouver, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but as in a traditional season, usually they have the seven game road trip, and you're lucky if they come away with one or two wins. I mean, lucky if you come away with one or two wins. Uh, so for them to and. Uh, Normally, it's the West Coast, is it not? Normally, they do uh, uh, California during this this trip. Uh, This year, it's a bit different. Um, But I'll say this. The most impressive game to me was the Minnesota game because for some reason, Montreal just forgets how to play hockey every time they enter the state of Minnesota. So uh, for them to uh, come back and tie the game twice and send it to overtime and then to totally forget that the best player on Minnesota was wide open in overtime. Uh, uh, but I mean, I'll take that any day. I, I wasn't upset about that outcome at all, uh, especially with the way the game started. Uh, I think they were shot what, like 13 to three or 13 to four in the first period or something yeah. like that. Yeah. They got uh, dominated a little bit. <laughs> and then they just came back for the next 40 minutes and kind of turned the tide of the game and, uh, so, to me, I'm happy with that point. Uh, I kind of figured, and maybe this is just, you know, I kind of figured that they beat Chicago, but then I was thinking, ah, no, now that I think they're going to beat Chicago, they won't because anytime I think they're going to win a game, they lose. And when I think they're going to lose a game, they win, which is odd. Um, Anderson, I'm pissed off at you because I dropped you from my hockey pool because you were not scoring. And now you're freaking, now you think you buy- have. You have four goals and like six points since I dropped you, so yeah, thanks, bud.
0: So what um, you're saying is, his slump is your fault.
1: I guess, yeah, because as soon as I dropped him from my uh, keeper pool, which Chris Pudsey and Curtis Chambers is in, I think you know who I'm talking about. Uh, sadly, as soon as I dropped, sadly, I do. As soon, as soon as I dropped him, all of a sudden he had his two, you know, he has two goal game, his three point night, is, and I'm like, what the hell. Anyway.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine those two having fun with that at
1: all. Wow. Well, wow. Well, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm a middle of the pack guy in this league. Curtis is at the bottom and Chris is at the top, so what can I say? Yeah. Well Curtis yeah. is building a franchise team for two, or three years from now, so he's uh drafting all the young guys.
0: Yeah, I noticed that because he's doing that at his desk at work all day long. Hey. His boss is not happy. Whoever he is. No, but they, so after Christmas, the uh, Canadians are doing their traditional swing down South. It's the, uh, you know, like Florida, Carolina, Carolina. That's uh, who the
1: other team was. Yeah. Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and then uh, Dallas, Dallas, which is I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause they go over there to come back here. Anyway, it's weird. Uh, You'd think they go to Dallas and then head to Florida, Carolina, and then, you know.
0: I'll be crazy. I think what they're doing, they're going, they have their Christmas holiday, and then as soon as that's done, they just head south. They go, I think it's Carolina, which is closer to them, north-south-wise, and then they just go down to Florida, do their thing there. Carolina,
1: the two games in Florida. Okay, they're just doing it backwards. And then Dallas, and then back home to play Buffalo.
0: Okay. So, three games on the road. It's not easy games either that are coming up. Carolina, even though they're having some issues, they're still a good team. Florida, same thing. Tampa, definitely the same thing. Like, they're all – they all have their internal struggles, but they're all good teams.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I think Jake Allen's probably going to steal the game for Carolina against Montreal. So – uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, No. uh, Carolina's having goaltending issues. Uh, Tampa's just getting old. Uh, Florida's still a contending team. They're still one of the teams that people think may go to the Stanley Cup, but they're kind of having their when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're off. Um, We all know Montreal tends to play to the team they're playing against, if that makes any sense. Um, Yeah, they play to that level. Yeah, but they also play really shitty in Florida. So... uh, yeah, I'm not expecting any big things coming out of this next four games. That's why I'm so excited about what we did in the first three games. I mean, if you can come out of this seven game road trip with seven points, uh, I mean, they have 5 now, so if they can just get one win or two overtime losses, I think that's a win for Montreal at the stage they are at the stage they are in because the uh these teams here aren't teams when you look at the schedule, like I'm the type of guy that looks at the schedule. I look how good my team is, and I go, okay, yes, they should win that game. No, they probably won't win that. You know what I mean? Based on how good the team is, they're playing compared to how good Montreal is. And let's be realistic. Montreal three points out of a playoff team, but they're not really a playoff team. Um, well, there's like what
0: four or five teams between them and that playoff spot.
1: Yeah, and and if you look at it too, they're only five points at a drafting sixth overall. So, I mean, it's not like they're – and in this little uh, win streak, I guess you can say, or this little – because they've been – I think they're – they have six wins in their last 10 or something like that. Yeah. Um, They haven't really moved. They went from drafting 11th to drafting 13th overall. So, they only moved up really two spots overall. It's not like they're making big leaps. It's because every team in that little area is all around the same. They're all around 500. So – tonight if three teams win Montreal's going to drop back down. <laughs> you know uh, and and it it it's it's exciting. I know Scotia Canadian Matt Bédard is die hard saying this team's a playoff team and he could be I don't know. He could be right. That's the issue with every team getting up to that last wild card is no one's really running away with anything. No one's really playing terrible unless you're Chicago San, unless you're the bottom 3. But no one's really, you know, going on that win yeah. streak to to separate them from the from the pack.
0: I think part of the uh the reason why they're still kind of there in that mix, a lot of the teams that are around them, the ones that they're chasing, are having a difficult time right now. They're yeah. going through their slumps or their their, their their valleys. There's peaks and valleys, and right now all the teams are chasing after are in those valleys and the Canadians are, are just keeping up with them. or just picking up a point or two. Once those yeah. teams start to figure themselves out again, and they will, that's when we're going to see a separation. So I'm not going to be too upset because if the Canadians keep playing the way they're playing, even if they lose a game or two, like they did in Minnesota, you lose a game like that in, in overtime. Nope. I, I'm not going to be upset. There's obvious things to fix but they're showing progress. Like you look at, um, like, like you look at the top line, the Canadians top line of Slavkovsky, Caulfield and Suzuki, the last few games, actually the last seven games or eight games that they've been together, they've been their best line. They've been the Canadians best line. Now they haven't produced a ton of points up until just recently, but I don't think that's really their fault.
1: Well, I'm surprised when you brought that up. Because I had no idea we were going to talk about this. I'm on Money Puck as we speak. Uh, weird. <laughs> weird. And right now, uh, with lines of over 100 minutes, and yes, you could say I'm cherry-picking that, but that also includes, I could put it to 140 minutes, and they'd still be on this. So would McDavid. Hyman, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins are the top line in the league for X goals percentage. So XGF, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that is the um, goals for, goals against differential, of how good a team, how good a line is actually playing, regardless of how many points they have or goals they score. Slavkowski, Suzuki, uh, Suzuki, and Caulfield, Slavzuko is what I'm going to call them, Uh, um, they're nice with a 61.8% XGF, or X X goals percentage. Um, So that there tells you that, you know, they're one of the top lines in the league. Um, And you're absolutely right. They haven't been scoring a ton uh, last few games. But since they've been together, uh, Cockfield's on pace for 60 points. Uh, only 20 goals. Yes, I understand the goals are, are down a bit, but he's becoming more of a complete player than just a goal scorer. Um, I, whether you agree with that or not, I'm not here to argue, you know, uh, Suzuki's on pace for 75 points. I, well, actually, it's 30 points in 33 games, so that's a what, a 99 points per game like thing so yeah
0: 70 points or something
1: it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 75 points i checked it last night but uh, i could be wrong i've been wrong before uh 74.5 and then now you have sapkowski i mean he only has 12 points and 33 but he has like something like seven points in his last four games or something like that so uh yeah uh And I would say, and this is not to – I'm a a Sulkowski fan, but I would say the reason for this is the fact that Sulkowski is using his body to create space for Caulfield, especially Suzuki, who's benefiting the most out of this. Uh, He's winning board battles. Like, I mean, how many times have you seen him go into a corner or go into a board, uh, go after a player who has the puck, uh, taking away his time and space, uh, in the offensive zone and coming out with the puck uh, In the game against Chicago, he did it almost every time they were in the offensive zone. They had a board battle. He came out with the puck, whether it worked or not, whether he made the right pass or not is irrelevant. He can- And usually he does because he's a pretty good playmaker. Uh, he came out with the puck. And I think this is the most important thing about Slavkoski's game is that he's actually becoming that power forward that we all want a Josh Anderson to be. Um because he's using his thighs, he's using his strength, he's using his uh, his uh, uh, passing abilities to create scoring chances for Caulfield and uh, and Suzuki. Um,
0: it's also partly because you see him he's trained to, you know like last year it was keep your head up and look around, keep your head up and look around. You see him doing that now. he's he's doing this the uh, the scam goes in the corner or on the board battle. So he knows where everybody's going to be. As he's battling, you notice he's looking around again, still comes out with the puck, makes that play because he knows where people are going to be, where they're going, where, where they're sitting. So he's able to battle for the puck and scan the ice at the same time. And he's his body position in the battle is usually the stronger position. He's above the puck or he's below the puck, but it's always the spot where the defender's back is turned, so it's harder for them to battle against him.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've noticed even when he gets the puck, he does a quick look around. He doesn't just grab the puck and try – like, he doesn't do a Dvorak. Oh, I have the puck. I'm just going to throw it somewhere, right? And and that is my biggest complaint, I find, the Habs have in their own defensive zone. As soon as they get the puck, they, they rush to throw the puck somewhere and get it – oh, got to get it out of here. Uh, and they don't look to see if they have time or they don't. And that's just something you can quickly do with your eyes. But you notice Slopkowski physically turns his head. As soon as he goes for a puck, he'll physically look to see where everybody is before he makes a play, Uh, if he has the time. Uh, A lot of people last year were like, oh, he can't keep his head up. Have you seen Slopkowski take a hit this year?
0: Really? Not a big one, like last year.
1: No. Uh, Do you see Slopkowski falling down all the time like he did last year? Only when he's tripped. Only when he's tripped. Uh, he's like I said. He he. It's almost like Marty St. Louis said, "You are two hundred and thirty goddamn pounds. Fucking use it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Use it. And if you look at his development progression, everything that they were doing with him in the NHL was to bring him to the point he's at right now. We don't care if you score." We don't care how many points you get. We want you to work on winning board battles. We want you to work on using your body. We want you to work on using your IQ to its advantage when you're in the whatever zone you're in. Not only is Slavkoski becoming a better offensive player, but he's also becoming a better defensive player. Um, he always knows where the puck is. He always knows where the open man is. And I get it. For a while, people, oh, this guy's a bust because people go on hockey DB and go, oh, he only has eight points. Man, this guy sucks, right? There's a reason he only has points because Marty St. Louis, who we learned not too long ago, was the big reason why he wasn't sent to Laval because he wanted to take him under his wing personally. uh, Said, hey, I already know you can score. I already know you can pass. We're going to work on all these other aspects of the game to make you a more complete player. You know what? You're probably going to look like you suck for a while. But guess what? You're going to be the best player out of that draft. And bringing that up, Slokoski has as many goals as Logan Cooley, and I believe he's only a few points away from Logan Cooley's point total. So can we stop and the whole comparison? He's been doing it with less ice time. Right. So can, less ice time, less power play one time, because he's just got on the power play one, what, like three weeks ago? Um, yeah. So can we can we get off the uh, Logan Cooley was a better draft pick than uh, Slokoski? Two totally different types of players. Two totally different types of players. Two do- totally different styles of hockey. Sapkowski's so going to be the first over, over, overall pick we thought he would be. No, he's not going to score 100 points. I'm telling you that right now because that's not his game. Six, I don't know. Maybe he will, but I don't think. I don't think he's that type of player. I think you're looking at a 30-goal, 70-point type player that's going to make the line he's on a better line.
0: Well... Funny you mention that because yeah. the talk has been always it has, lately has been that Slavković is being carried by Suzuki and Caulfield. But if you look at the actual Corsi 4 percentage, the possession stats, slavkowski has been the one driving possession more so than the other two.
1: And you can tell by watching the games. You, you can—he's yeah. the one that's winning the—he's the one getting the puck loose and getting the puck to Suzuki mainly, uh, who either gets it to caulfield or whoever or gets it to back to himself he's the one that's making them two better if honestly if anyone's the anchor on that line it's caulfield right now because and i think i think it's his size that's kind of hurting not his size but i think he changed his style of game to be again to be like slikovsky be more a complete player you see he's playing a little bit more defensively he's you know not always trying to shoot the puck from wherever he has it whenever he has it uh he's changed his game up a bit now whether you agree with that or not because i think it's kind of taken away from his goal scoring but if it makes that line better i could care less who scores the goals really i i could if, if if caulfield never scores 50 goals i'm okay with that i know he's capable of scoring 50 goals in a season if he has the chance just because he's yeah. an elite he's an elite shooter but if he he's on pace for 60 points when was the last time Montreal had two players with 60 points or more in the season? Right. So, I mean, wow. so that's what I'm saying. Like I get what people are saying. I still believe we need an elite player in the top six. I do believe that. I do believe we need a potential hundred point guy in, in our top six. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that, but if I can have three 70 point guys on the first line and, Two 70-point guys on the second line? Would I argue with that, too? Absolutely not. Right?
0: Although star power does help win cups. But right now, you're looking at a, a line that would excel in the playoffs. I mean, Suzuki exactly. and Koppel exactly. have proven it. And Slavkoski has the makeup of a player to excel in the playoffs. Big, strong, smart, uh driven. I mean, like you, you talked about the work that Saint Louis has done with Slavkovsky, and it's been unbelievable. He, he's gone. It's from last year to now. He is a totally different player. He's much more effective. Oh. Um, he's not tentative like he was before. You can tell he was just a kid in the in this yeah. in, in the games he played last year. Now. Um, They've taken it. They've moved him up a little bit. This usage has been protected, but now he's starting to be kind of unleashed a little bit. He's been given kind of, here you go. Just go and whatever happens, whoever's up against you, no big deal. Before it was okay. Well, we're in the offensive zone. We're going to place you there. So the work that St. Louis has done, like you mentioned, has been exceptional with this young player.
1: Well, listen, uh, if you're not a Habs fan and you're just – look like I said, and you're just looking at the score sheet, of course you are got to say Salkowski's a bust. First overall pick barely has 12 points. But if you watched every game and watched the progression from last year, not only to this year, but as this year went on, right, uh, it's night and day. It's totally – it's like watching Phil Bork turn into – Sidney Crosby and I'm not comparing Sopkoski to Sidney Crosby so everyone can calm the fuck down there um I'm just saying it's like you're taking a player like uh, let's try to do this in Montreal you take a player like Paul Byron and you're turning him into Steve Schutt um you know like you're, you're 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 yeah this guy's okay he's good he's gonna help you but look at him now right and uh I'm telling you, I, I, next year, uh, I think Slipkowski is going to finish this season with over 30 points. Easily. Um well, I shouldn't say easily, but I think he's going to finish with over 30 points. Now, you may look at that and say, well, 30 points is nothing. I think he's going to double that next year. If he keeps playing the way he's playing. Barring any injuries. Injuries.
0: Um, well, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. Uh, I mean, we covered this... Slapped Zookfield fairly well uh, in this segment. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back in the next segment, we're going to talk about the roster freeze, uh, the goalies, the defense. Uh, may- maybe we can share our eggnog recipes. Who knows? But uh, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to part two of the Jingle Bells episode. Um, so we were just talking about the Slavzuki line. Um, but now we're going to move on to other things. So the Christmas trade freeze is on uh, the 27th. It's lifted. There's a lot of rumors flashing around. So, you know, goaltenders centers, defense. We'll just jump right into it. Uh, I wrote a little bit about uh, Monahan and Savard. You had some comments about both.
1: So why don't we just start there? Uh there's a, well, there's the rumor going around that Montreal, I think Bruce Garich from the uh, fourth period uh, stated it, that um, Montreal's looking into re-signing Monaghan. Um, I only see that happen if Montreal goes on some type of streak and then guarantees themselves a wild card spot for some odd, which I don't see happening. I If you can get a first, even if it's a late first-round pick for Monaghan, you don't pass that up. You might even be able to get a pick and a B-level prospect. Um, I'm, I might be overshooting there, but you're going to get one or the other, or you're going to you're at least going to get a first-round pick for Monaghan for a playoff run. Same with Savard. I mean, if you can get a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt, a healthy Savard with a year left on his contract, you're probably going to get um, – and yes, I agree. They're going to be somewhere in the 20s when you're drafting. But as of right now, Montreal has one first-round draft pick this year. They have guaranteed two next year because they'll have Calgary's. Um, wow, we don't know. They might have Calgary's depending on how the moons align when the dra- when the when the pick needs to be made. Um, yeah, but, uh so for them to get one or two more first-round picks, yes, it probably won't be as good a player as Monahan is. Uh, but you can package that you can package that with a young rock with a young prospect that you know isn't going to make the team like one of their 40,000 defensemen that they have uh or you can take both draft picks and go you know what I really want that 8th pick listen i got the say 13th if that's because that's where i think montreal's drafting right now yeah. i have the 13th pick and i have the 26th pick does that get me the eighth pick? Does that move me up uh, five spots? Uh, yeah, five spots. Uh, and you do stuff like that. And maybe that gets you that offensive talent that you've been looking for, like a uh, Lindstrom or a Demidov or what. I don't know if they'll drop that low, but, you know, could get you – if one of them is available at eight and you're like, hey, we really want that guy, you know, that that's the that's the value in those draft picks. And if you can't do that, well, guess what? Maybe you lock out and you get that guy at 25 to 27. That's going to get you, you know, that's going to be a top six forward for you or turns out to be a tag Thompson or someone like that, right? So,
0: I mean, that's never going to happen because those late picks never turn out to be stars. I mean, if you want someone like a Pasternak, you have to draft high. (laughs)
1: Or if you want that star defenseman, you have to draft like really high, like PK Subban. You know how he went in the top ten.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. See right there. Uh,
1: Proof the second round <laughs> or, or Lane Hudson. You don't draft, You don't draft a guy like Lane Hudson in the second round.
0: Never happens. So clearly, the sarcasm is dripping off of this episode right now, and, and for good reason. Those later picks don't always end up being garbage there's there's a lot of times where the best player in a draft wasn't picked until sometimes in the sec even the second round it's not the 2003 draft we're talking about here like where bergeron ended up in the second round and he's a a shoe in all uh, all uh, hall of famer but you'll get good a good solid players and your point about trading those assets to move up in a draft very valid those that's a that's a definite uh plan that they could follow or they can use the the picks and these prospects to pick, uh, to trade for uh, a player that's already proven themselves
1: yeah oh for sure and i mean because if you think about it right now their their trade bait right now is Allen savard uh monahan pearson armia if you can get something for them like they do have you know they do have guys they can they can send out those top four that I just said will probably be gone, if not at the trade deadline, so it's Savard's case or Allen's case the off season. Um, I know I was just actually talking to a guy on Twitter just not while we uh, were we switching over the shows here, and he's like, oh, uh, Savard's too important. They have too many young guys in Laval that's going to be coming up. Reinbacher, Mayu, Jackey, Hudson, are all going to get NHL time next year. How much, I'm not going to sit there and say, but I'm going to say that they're all going to get NHL time next year. Guys like Savard, Matheson, and we're going to get into this in a minute, maybe even Harris or one of the other younger guys, they're going to be pushed out. They're going to be pushed out eventually. And uh, Savard's well, probably the 12, first...
0: Def- yeah, and you got 12 NHL yeah. quality defensemen. Someone's got to go.
1: Yeah, and and the with the way Hughes is doing his team, he wants a younger team. He wants a, he wants his his contending team to be at the age that Savard and Matheson are now, while they're contending, those two guys are going to get get pushed out. Savard more before Matheson, but don't be shocked if Matheson's on. Uh, he's already on TSN's trade bait, so don't be surprised if Matheson is uh, the right the right package comes along for Masson. don't be shocked if he's gone.
0: Well, I would, I would be surprised if that happened
1: this year, but next year. Yeah. I wouldn't be. Yeah. Concerned. Yeah. I I don't yeah. think masson has gone this year, but next year, cause I think he only has two years left after next year or one. It's not an FA after next year. I know that, but I think he has one more year left and then, and then he's gone. But, uh, but now we're going to get into a little other thing that we're going to talk about is, what young defenseman is going to get pushed out because you can't keep all of them either? And with the no. way Jaden Struble's, with the way Jaden Struble's been playing, I'm pretty sure he's earned his spot on the team. Um, so Harris is, is Harris's position. Jack eyes in the AHL, trying to get back up to the NHL. Um, now, I've been saying this since last year. I think Harris is the odd man out. And the reason I say that is I still think Harris can get you a good return in a trade. Uh he can be that guy that you add to say a Jake Allen trade and say, Hey, we're gonna throw this Harris guy in. We want a little bit more of this than this, or whatever. Um and uh I also feel he's taken a step back this year. Uh and I think uh Jaden Struble's proving that he's gonna be a better defenseman. Now Justin Barron's another guy that you can look at and say, yeah, he's scoring. But his defense is, nah, we don't know what Justin Barron we're going to get.
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's let's look at the type of player he is, though. That's He is a puck mover. He is more offensive than he is two-way. This is the type of defenseman you're getting with him. Correct. And to be honest, totally they need a few of
1: these guys. They do. But when you have Math Matheson who's kind of the same, then you have Barron who's kind of the same. Uh, and then you have a Logan Mayu coming up who's kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which one of these guys are you coveting the most? Uh now I have no issue with a Baron and Mayu being in the lineup both on the right side, if you have a guy like Reinbacher also, and, and we're talking the future here, we're talking two, three years yeah. in the future, when you have a guy like Reinbacher. Because the way I look at it is Rheinbacher is Lane Hudson's safety. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson. Don't worry, Hudson, go do your thing. I'll make sure everything's okay back here. Oh, by the way, I can do your thing. I can do this thing too. Uh Uh-oh, you guys didn't expect me to come and do that. So that's how I think of the Rheinbacher. And then you have Ghoulie who can be matched up with Baron. And then you can have Jack Eye or Struble matched up with, or pardon me. Or Mayu. He can with, match up with either one. Yeah. Right. I'm just saying right now I think Baron's yeah. higher on the chart than, than Mayu is. So we'll have sure. Gouli with Barron maybe on the top line. Uh, Hudson and Reinbach are on the second to give them less of a... to give them a little bit more buffer so they can... don't have the top defensive pairing up against them all the time. And then you have Mayu and Struble slash Jackey on the third line with... So to me, I think Harris is the young guy out. And uh, yeah, that, that's and you look at that on
0: it. and you look at the, the way the defense is made up there with those players, you have guys who stay home, guys who move, uh, who are more offensive, but at the same time, those stay at home on air quotes, guys are all highly mobile, highly capable of carrying the puck, capable of keeping up offensively. So it's not like, it's not like they're giving up anything. Like their, their defense as a whole, would be big, strong, fast, and mobile. Lane Hudson being in there as well, who's like likely not to be that big, but
1: he's a guy he's that's, smaller than that's looking Fox like or a McCarr.
0: Exactly, exactly. He's looking like a, a Quinn Hughes type of player.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you say "stay at home," we go in quotation marks. So. Let's put this in perspective. When I look, think of stay at home. I think of David Savard, Joel Edmonds. Yeah. They're not going to get you a ton of points, but they're going to be solid in their own end. We have more guys that are more like Eckholm and Weber, and they're yes. So, I'm not saying they're going to be the production value. Like, okay, again, I'm not saying they're going to be Weber and Eckholm. I'm saying their style of play is more. You know, yes, I'm a very good in my own end, but you know what? I can put up a notch on the offensive zone too. And I, you know, I have a shot. Like Mayu has a hell of a shot, but he's not a defensive defenseman. Um, think of when you I think of Reinmark Ryan Ryan Reinbacher and Hudson, I think of Subban and Markov.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, again, I'm not saying they're gonna be carbon copies of Subban and Markov. What I'm saying is you have that defender who can jump in on the offense and be successful but he also is responsible enough in his own end that he can let lane hudson go do his thing you go do your thing i'm here And you know what well everyone's paying attention to lane hudson i'm gonna go here and guess what i just scored a goal because all you guys were over there going oh no it's lane hudson (laughs) we forgot about this big tall austrian guy (laughs) <laughs> right and the same with Gouley and yeah. Barron I think Gouley and Barron can work that way as well because Gouley again yeah. Gouley can pop in and provide you offensive need me again a Weber type defenseman or an at home type defenseman can get you the offense but still responsible in the defensive zone he,
0: he's he's big he's strong he's physical he's got a, he's got a great shot but he's very mobile he's yeah. very he he's quick on his feet I mean he kept up with McDavid, for God's sakes. Yeah. Not a lot of people can do that. And he was doing it backwards. So I he's mean he's not a slouch in that manner.
1: You I mean, hit the nail on the head. And I think that between Bergevin and Hughes, they built this defense to become a modern defense. It's yeah. not the old, it's not the old, we're going to have our offensive guy stuck with our... Stay at home defense guy. You know, it's not it's not that it's it's both these guys. This guy's a little bit more offense, this guy's a little bit more defense, but both of them can kinda do enough at both ends that it's going to shift the balance because you're not gonna know who you really need to cover. Um, you know that guy's better at this end, but if I leave that guy alone, he's gonna hurt me too. Whereas back in the Josh George's days, you could have left Josh George's alone to stand there all you wanted and Subban was going to go in, you're, all right, I'm just covering that guy because he's not going to do much. Or the Peter Popoviches, or the, you know, like, the, you know, those type of guys.
0: And now they've got a couple of Lyle Odalites with uh, Struble and Jack Eye.
1: Wow. Can you imagine Struble and Jackeye as your bottom-pairing defenseman? In the playoffs. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. So far, Jackye has four minutes in the AHL. Because every time someone bumps into them, they immediately skate away. I've yet to see a guy. Uh, someone was uh, ran into uh, Dobish the other night. Not last night's game, but the game before that. And Jack Eye was there grabbing him. As soon as Jack Eye grabbed him, he was gone. He had nothing to do with him. So you know a guy has a reputation when AHL players are avoiding him. Yeah, Because you would think the... he'd, go, he'd go to the AHL and everyone would be like, I'm going to fight that guy. I'm going to show this guy. And they're all like, eh, is it worth it? I like my teeth. <laughs> so I, I kind of like that. But me being a huge Jack-Eye fan, with Struble's emergence, Jack-Eye could be another guy that's expendable.
0: Could be. Or they could just end up being uh, the the six, seven guys in the lineup.
1: Yeah. Personally, that's what I think is going to happen. I think yeah. the, the li- in two years, the, the defense core that I brought—Gouli, Barron, uh, Hudson Reimbacher, Mayu Struble—and with Jack Eiser sixth, seventh rotating in, I think that's what our their defense is going to look like in two years.
0: Now, with the Christmas trade freeze coming uh, coming to a close on the twenty seventh, I've kind of looked at the goaltending, and we talked about Alan a little bit here earlier. I think Allen's going to be the odd man out as well. And I think it's going to happen before the all-star break. The way everybody's goaltending is, is blowing up around the league. Everybody's looking for that veteran goaltender. And Allen's that guy Primo showing that he could fill in as a backup. I mean, this year he's, he's looked pretty good. Granted, it's only seven games, but in all seven games, he has been able to keep the team in a game.
1: well, let's look at uh the competition that primo's been against he he fought a high yeah moving new jersey team uh what florida i think he was up against uh uh his first three four games were up against teams you're like why is he playing against this team when he could be playing against the easier team and then when he comes in against the easier team it's like okay i got this this, this is no big deal which is what you want from your backup because that's who your backup's going to play they're going to play the chicago's and the san jose's and the which he did play and he beat both of them. Um, he's 4-0 and on the road. So before anyone uh, looks, like he's 4-3 and three overall, but he's undefeated on the road. Um, I do believe Allen's the odd man out. And if you look at the rotation, Allen's getting the less of the games, it seems. It's, it's like it's going Monty, Monty, Allen, Primo, Monty, Primo, Monty, Monty, Monty Allen. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, yeah. and, and I think uh, with Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Edmonton. Um, what other teams looking for a goal? Like all these teams are looking for a goalie. And I, when's the uh, when's the uh, trade deadline? February, I think.
0: Uh, March.
1: Is it March? Anyway, uh, I think he's gone before the trade deadline. Um, oh yeah. And i hey Toronto showing interest in Monaghan, so maybe they could package the two of them to Toronto for Nylander.
0: <laughs> <laughs> why not just wait to sign him as a free agent in the summer yeah, um, sign. on Monahan as well there's other teams that are looking for centers Boston uh, Col- uh, Colorado there's, there's five or six teams looking for that second third line center who can win face-offs, play defensively the Canadians could possibly end up getting another first round pick, maybe more out of that with a bidding war of course uh, Savard's another player who teams have shown interest in because they all want veteran guys to anchor their defense. So there's a very good possibility that there'll be some openings on the Canadians roster after the deadline where Lane Hudson can be signed to his contract and move into the roster. Uh, people like, I don't know, like Sean Farrell, or maybe even jo- uh, Joshua Roy could get called up and play a few games after the trade deadline. Give them some NHL time, see where they're at. But this is the time where the Canadians they cannot be distracted by being just outside the playoffs in a year where a lot of teams are stumbling. They can't go away from the plan by no, keeping these guys or or trading for other guys.
1: I don't see them buying or trading for other guys unless they're under the age of 26. So I mean, if, if they're trading for a guy. It's going to be a young four that, that they they think is either going to give them good depth on the bottom six or be a top six type type player. What I don't want to see Montreal doing is making a trade for a prospect that you know is going to be a middle of the pack guy because we have a whole sh- we have two teams full of those. Uh, <laughs> right. They and, need the uh, elite players. They need the elite players. So I'm hoping and I think this is their plan because Hughes said many times there's different ways to get that elite player and no he never said we don't need superstars he said teams can win without superstars however everyone would like a player like McDavid so you know I get the Sean's and Paul's and people of the Twitterverse are thinking that Hughes doesn't want any type of talent well that's bullshit Uh, what he's doing was, hey, we've already started building our defense. Let's continue doing that. They take longer to develop. We're going to draft them early, get that done. Then we're going to worry about our forward group. And if you're arguing that Montreal, oh, well, they're not tanking. They're not finished at the bottom. Montreal was healthy last year. They'd be in the same spot as they are this year. So I hate to burst your bubble, but Montreal was never really a bottom five team. Injuries no. forced them that way.
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, in a way that was beneficial to the Canadians in this rebuild, that they were artificially pushed down. Uh, so they get better draft picks. I think they're going to end up with a pretty good draft pick this year. I don't know. I don't think they're going to end up at 13. They might end up in the top 10. Sure. By the end of this, because you're going to be selling said, players off. Yeah. There's going to be more injuries. Yeah. Um, But and a top 10 in this in this draft year uh, is not bad. There's going to be a, a ton of really good forwards available around there. So they'll because be able to find of... another offensive forward. Uh, they could trade for stuff. They could move up. They sign could a sign a free agent. Because getting rid of some of these guys that we were talking about opens up cap space and the cap's going up. So there's even more room to use. And more of these guys are going to be leaving, leaving more money available for the young guys who are coming up.
1: And you have LTIr with Carey Price, who's going to be on LTIr again next year. So I mean, yeah, Nylander's a shoe in for Montreal. Shoe in, <laughs> twelve million a season. Uh,
0: you know, honestly, and this is my my final thought on this whole thing. If if it is Nelander in Montreal, that would be one of the best troll jobs available in the NHL at that time. Like, you know, the whole, it was three, one. Well, now it's, have you, have you seen my Neilander? You know, like there's going to be all kinds of messed up shit that you're going to see on Twitter. And it's, I'm here for it.
1: Not only was it was a three, one, but we took your best playoff performer. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. Oh. So uh,
0: I don't know if that's going to happen, but it'd be, it'd be pretty funny.
1: I, hey i i think they should throw the money at him why not you just fixed sure. your got it. forward problem throw the money at him get him sign him whether he comes to montreal is a different story but uh you know money yeah. makes people walk 700 now, million and deferred all to the end of the contract
0: that sounds familiar All right. So, uh, this is pretty much it for the, sh- uh, this episode. Uh, I got to run. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: No, Just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, happy holidays and all that, uh, festive stuff. Uh, I hope, uh, Christmas is good to everyone and I hope the new year brings you uh, new and uh, good beginnings.
0: And for me, I want to echo everything Treg just said, uh, Merry Christmas, happy new year, uh, And remember, keeping your airing of grievances to Twitter. Don't do it in person at at the family dinner table. Leave it on Twitter. Don't ruin the vacation for everybody. Or that's at least what I was told by my mom. And uh, uh, finally, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I know it's been difficult for us to get the episodes out. And the patience that everyone's shown with us, it, we we really appreciate it. So thank you again for for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Keep interacting with us on Twitter. Airing your grievances as well. We're all for that. So uh, thank you. and remember if you're talking about it, so are we?
1: Okay. I'm Matt Kule,
0: host of the Sound Off Podcast. The show about podcast and broadcast.